0: Oh, shit! Don't bullshit! 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 bullshit. It's bullshit. Oh, fucking bullshit! Bullshit! It's bullshit! I did not hit her! I did not! Oh, hi, Mark!
1: Bullshit! Where would we be without our safe, familiar American bullshit? Land of the free, home of the brave, the American dream. Men are equal, justice is blind, the press is free, your vote counts, business is honest, the good guys win, the police are on your side, God is watching you, your standard of living will never decline, and everything is going to be just fine.
0: Stop making the American people part of your experiment.
2: Welcome back to (laughs) the bullshit filter, one world government Harris. How's it going? How are you doing? Well, I'd be a lot better if I had some fucking cigars, Ray. Uh, That's all I'm going to say on that subject.
1: Really? I think there's going to be more later. But anyways, please continue.
2: I did buy my annual bottle of scotch yesterday, though, to compensate. Uh, Just won the, I don't know, World Single Malt Awards. The Loch Lomond 12-year-old. Ah. uh, Reasonably priced. Right. And uh, not a bad drop, never heard of it before, so I went out and sourced a bottle, and yeah, quite nice and smooth for a peaty single malt. Nice. Um, on the show this week, I uh, want to welcome to the Bullshit Filter, for the very first time, mm-hmm. long-time uh, friend, is that too hard? Uh, too much of a word, Mike? Uh, let's say don't threaten me, online, don't threaten me right off the bat, on, Cam. Online contact... There we go. Back since, uh, I think, the Napoleon days. Uh, Mike Schneider coming to us from somewhere in Virginia. Yes, north of me. He's on top. North of you. (laughs) Right.
0: (laughs) How are you today, Mike? I'm doing good, Cam.
2: That's good, Mike. Now, Mike and I have been talking for many years offline about stuff, um... I think uh, some years ago, I was partially responsible for driving Mike away from being a Christian.
0: Sounds right. Did that that did that take Mike? Yeah, you thoroughly screwed me from all the comfort I derived from that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, Ooh. screwing should never be comfortable, Mike. That's uh, <laughs> if, if it ah, doesn't that... hurt a little bit. Right, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> so, Mike. Mike and I were talking uh, I don't know, sometime in the last week about uh, stuff, and he started telling me about some of his views on uh, what's going on in America at the moment. And I said, whoa, shit, wow, wait, 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 we need to we need to do this on a podcast because this is too too much fun. And um, I'm fascinated to understand more about uh, where where you're coming from. And I didn't want to do it uh, because I know when you and I talk on the phone, these are usually long conversations. And I thought, fuck it, let's record it this time and let's bring Ray on just for fun, for shits and giggles. Um, Now, Mike, uh, before we get into your uh, political views, uh, let's talk a little bit about you. Do you want to give people a little bit of background on yourself? Like paint the picture of what Mike Schneider is.
0: Um, Well, in the context of this, podcast uh i grew up a christian very conservative christian family uh, where uh new, new jersey up? right but, but, Okay. uh i even went to bible college i uh i majored in theology for a while went to liberty university um i was also mm. a police officer in new jersey was a corrections officer and uh i run my own security company Uh, for the past 17 years.
2: And a security company means uh, what exactly? Uh,
0: Well, we have uh, uniformed security officers, guards, uh, police uniform, uh, armed, unarmed guards. We do a wide range of stuff. Uh, I also do a lot of training in the security field.
2: Speaking of corrections officers, uh have you seen the Ben Stiller miniseries Escape dana Danamora? I have not. We just watched that. We just finished it last night. Uh really, really well done, I thought. Good 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 show. Good series, based on the true story of these uh Two prisoners who had a relationship with a female uh, civilian prison worker in a oh. few four or five years ago and yes. escaped. They yes. dug, dug a dug a tunnel out of the prison Damn. Clinton Correctional Facility and escaped. Wow! And got recaptured.
0: That kind of stuff. Yeah, de- that kind of stuff happens quite frequently, actually. Wow. Well,
2: I, right. I yeah, I can imagine. Um, yeah, good. Benicio Del Toro and Paul Dano play the two prisoners. Patricia Arquette as the prison worker. She won, a, I think, won a, an Emmy or something for her performance. Really good. But Ben Stiller did a great job of directing it. W- cool. Worth a watch. Anywho. OK, so, Mike, you grew up in New Jersey. You're a Christian. You were a Christian. You're a cop. Now you run a security company. Where would you say on the... You 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 lie on the political spectrum these days. Well,
0: I, I consider myself a libertarian. I was a Republican. I don't call myself a Republican anymore. I'm conservative when it comes to finances. I am more mm-hmm. liberal or progressive when it comes to social issues. Uh, but I would side with the conservatives uh, politically, generally
2: um did you vote for Trump in 2016? Uh, no,
0: I did not want to have anything to do with that. Really? <laughs> yeah. I thought he was the champion of the libertarians. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh first of all, I was uh the place where I would vote would have been uh Washington state and Washington state was never going to be uh, a, sw- a swing state. It, it was going to go Uh, for Hillary. My vote really wouldn't have mattered. I bothered to vote for Ron Paul when he was running but um, since it wasn't really going to make a difference I figured I'd rather be able to say I never voted for Trump. (laughs) But I was happy to see him beat Hillary.
2: Right. So you didn't vote
0: for him but you were happy that he won. Absolutely. Elated. Super excited.
2: (laughs) <laughs> why explain that to me? If you were super excited about him winning, why didn't you vote for him?
0: Well, my vote wasn't really going to matter, in my opinion. So I wasn't worried about making a difference. But um, if for nothing else, there even the the people on the far extreme left would admit Trump provides the most comedy material of any president <laughs> ever, and for that reason alone. I would have been happy to have him in office i feel we're screwed no matter oh who we get so with trump it'll at least be yeah. funny
2: yeah those those hundred thousand people that just died of coronavirus are laughing oh they're laughing about trump as president so great well, hilarious they say it was their last words i, I read that somewhere recorded last words of most of them was, oh, so funny. Well, how many you know, hundreds um, of thousands...
0: My, my, lungs, my lungs are exploding <laughs> inside of me right how now. How many hundreds of thousands or millions have died from other presidents invading other parts of the world?
2: Yeah, well, can't argue with that, Mike. Yeah. That's, uh, as I've said many times, if Hillary was president, uh, I'm pretty sure you would, guys would be involved in one or two new wars by now. So okay. there is that. For whatever reason, Trump is reluctant to start a war, at least so far. He yeah. m- may have may have given a nod and a wink to some uh, mercenaries down in Venezuela. <laughs> uh, and he's, you know, bombed Syria and bombed Iran and killed a few people. Still, but uh, nothing, right. luckily, has turned into a full-scale invasion yet. Yeah. So, you were you didn't want to be associated with voting for Trump. You wanted to be able to say I never voted for him, but at the same time you were cheering that he got elected.
0: Um I was happy and and probably more so because I would absolutely be scared to death of Hillary Clinton being president. Right. So, that was the never Hillary vote <laughs> more than the I think Trump's going to be the best.
2: Right. Well, let's uh, we let's not Uh, get sidetracked on why you hated Hillary so much. Let's talk about what you think uh, is going on with the coronavirus, because this is where we started the other day. Give me your theory on what what caused the coronavirus pandemic.
0: Well, that's kind of at the heart of everything that that we were talking about and this topic in general. And the, the simple answer is, I don't know. And you don't know, and apparently nobody at the CDC knows, nobody in the Trump administration knows. We have been Mm. left with conflicting orders and theories from all of the experts. So everyone below expert has no hope of really nailing what's happening. Uh, However, uh, what I said to you the other day that I think started this was that... um, If you were to make a list of all the things you would do if you were trying to um, position yourself or manipulate for a one-world government kind of um, mentality, whether you're trying to put everything online or have a cashless society or track track every person, uh, get them to uh, give you access as if as if they needed it uh, to the phones so that you could literally listen in and see where everyone was going, what everyone was doing. If you were to make some lists of those kinds of conspiracy theories and then compare that what you would need to do to get that with what's happening with the coronavirus, you would be checking most of those boxes. And so while I'm not asserting that the virus was intentionally released in order to facilitate this. I'm not even saying for sure that it's being exploited. I find it very interesting how many things are in common with what you would want to do if the conspiracy ideas were right and what's happening with this virus. And the fact of the matter is there are definitely people taking advantage of the situation. So the question is, is our government, are the elite, are there groups of people who have more influence than others that have in some way planned this, or at least in some way are using it? Were they waiting for something to come along and they're just you know, using that? But it, it certainly begs the question, is there more behind this than simply a pandemic that nobody predicted and we're just suffering through it? I think that's a fair question, and there's some very interesting things happening um, in regards to that. So it's a fair question. That's all it is. What what was the fair question? Is is there more to this virus situation than meets Uh, the eye? Are people using it hmm. to manipulate and position uh, in a a certain way, or or in, in a way, was it uh thrust on us um on purpose was there some coordination to try and create a worldwide pandemic so that certain elites could better position themselves in the in whatever global plans they have
1: mm. i i do want to ask sorry
2: i cut you off there
1: that's fine. I do want to ask a follow-up question to that. So let's say I am a part of an elite group that wants to take advantage of any kind of chaos that comes along to maybe better position my um, organization with whatever goals we have. Um, would you say it would be—is it is it fair to say that— Donald, if there is some kind of organization or whatever that maybe didn't start this, but they're certainly taking advantage of it, would it be fair to say that Donald Trump is not a part of it? Because you could argue that he is—he's acted so ineptly that he's—he's he's taken this really horrible situation and not helped. In fact, he's made it worse, which would make it better for me, for my elite cabal who—who who are benefiting from this from this uh, pandemic that's going on. So um, I can only imagine that having someone like him in office. At, at a certain time when this happens could only be a good thing if you are trying to take advantage of chaos to maybe shore up your power base and maybe take one step closer to a new world order
0: uh I don't think it's it's fair and the the reason is um mm-hmm. i'm on the fence with trump uh right either either he is literally the uh the only guy left who's not part of the system who's fighting everyone else right. or he's part of the system i'm not really sure which way it goes it's kind of like the matrix uh is this person mm-hmm. who is just came out of left field and is being attacked on un- it's an unprecedented level of attack on trump uh so it's fair to say trump seems to be Uh, kind of isolated and not part of the good old boy network that's been running D.C. for a long time, and yet Trump has Mm -hmm. rubbed elbows and has been involved in those same good old boys for his entire adult life, probably even longer than that. So I don't know if Trump is part of the conspiracy or he's trying to fight it. I think we may never know because more than anything, he's a showman. So could he be putting on an act as part of something else? Could he have beaten Hillary as part of a plan? It's possible. I would like to think that that wasn't the case, but I've learned to not make commitments to anything anymore. I don't trust government. That's Mm -hmm. the only commitment I really make.
1: I have to respond to to that by saying – respectfully respond to that by saying if he is playing a part as a horrible president, he's doing a great job. I agree with you that he's outside of the norms of the political world because that's just not the – uh, what he's been doing for the last, say, 50 years as an adult, or whatever. But you're right; he's he's rubbed elbows with big wigs, but that doesn't mean you're part of the group because he's never been a senator, he's never been a governor, he's truly an outsider. But again, if he's if he's help if he's a part of this and he's doing his part by being really bad at reacting to this pandemic, then he deserves an Oscar of some sort because there just seems to be a huge lack of leadership from him. And you're right when you said earlier that Europe was turning away from America for any kind of response or organized help. They're doing their own thing, and I don't blame them.
0: And and while I've been generally favorable towards a good number of things Trump has done, Mm -hmm. uh, and and a lot of people would accuse me of being a Trump supporter, I, I suppose I'm relatively supportive. Um, But I think he's done a pretty bad job, at least on the public relations end, of dealing with the pandemic. And when it comes to something like this, public relations might be the more important part. Uh, Because people are looking to our government for leadership in ways they normally don't. And it's needed in ways and to a level greater than it normally is. And I just don't feel like he's done a a, a good job. I, I, honestly, I think he's done a kind of a terrible job, and that probably has to do more with his ego, and his need to be at the forefront of things. Um, yeah. He should have let the experts run this. He wanted to have his face on everything, but he's got he's got some uh, behavioral psychological uh, issues where he just needs to put himself out there, and he's not that good at it, in the ways that we needed. It done in this case. Now, I don't think I blame him for really any deaths. Uh, I certainly don't blame him for the economy either. That's, in a lot of ways, that's the governors. And mm-hmm. uh, in some way, that's just kind of the way it was going to happen, especially in a, a presidential election year when, when you're worried about the perception of things. But it's been, from the, the president to the governors, it's been a complete clusterfuck.
2: Like we, can, we can talk about uh, Trump's handling of this a little bit later. I want to I wanna get back to this mm-hmm. conspiracy theory stuff around it being manipulated, created or, and or manipulated. And I want to get back to this idea of the one world government. I, I've been hearing people talk about the push for a one world government since the late 80s. And even at the time, the, I remember I was like eighteen. The first time somebody said, he, he pointed to, we were driving past a nondescript concrete bunker building in Melbourne, mm-hmm. and guy said to me, "You know what? You know what that is?" And I said, uh, yeah, uh, "Telstra switching office." Telstra being our biggest telco, um, and he said, "No, no, it's uh, One World Government." Uh, secret offices being run out of there, and I was like, what? "Really? What's that?" And he told me, and I was like, "Well, wow, that sounds like a great idea." I've always thought a one-world <laughs> government sounded like a terrific idea, and here we are, thirty years later. I, I, I'm still, yeah, I'm still waiting <laughs> to see somebody actually deliver on the one-world government, but I keep hearing people talk about it. Uh, tell me, you know, from your uh, deep reading, and I have to—I mean, I assume that this book you sent me. A few months ago, Mike, um, the Giza power plant Technologies of Ancient Egypt is uh, plays into this somehow. Uh, tell me what your theory is behind the one world government, who is plotting it and uh, what they plan to do when they have it.
0: Well, uh, the, the number of people who are theoretically involved in the, the push for a one world government is in the the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, I suppose. Um, It would be a collection of the more elite people in a lot of different countries. These are financially elite, educationally elite, politically elite. And there's no reason to think that people at the higher end of the social hierarchy are not trying to position either themselves better financially or the world better socially and better could mean better for them or better for the the world. I don't necessarily Mm -hmm. think it's all uh, an evil conspiracy like Lord of the Rings or something. I think there's a lot of people who have become networked uh, through uh, generational contacts, through educational contacts, who are in a position to have significantly more influence on which way countries go, wars go, uh, everything goes. And they're working to bring together some vision, some generic, vague vision uh, from our perspective of how they'd like the next 50, 100, 200, 300 years to go. And there's nothing wrong with that concept. I don't think it's far-fetched because that's exactly the kind of thing most people would do in that kind of a position. I would argue that there have been attempts at consolidating power uh, beyond simply that of one country that have been evil in nature, and there have been attempts that have been good in nature, but they are definitely happening. In the 80s, uh, people like George Bush Sr. were started to openly talk about these things, and there's a lot of conspiracy theories about things like the Illuminati, which is— That's a misnomer, if anything, at this point. But there have been secret societies. That's a fact for a a very long time. There are secret societies Mm -hmm. coming out of Ivy League universities. Those people end up in high positions in government. They create organizations of a global nature. We're obviously trying to create a greater global network. Um, I think that's a lot of the, the reasons why we have spread the American economy out throughout the world and spent so much money because I think we're trying to tie everyone together in a way you can't get away from. And nationalism uh, is kind of the enemy of that process. Now, if the end result was we, in fact, had a one world government, there's a lot of good things that come out of that. Uh, But there's also a lot of possibilities that can come out of that, which would be uh, very disastrous for the, the rank and file people. Um, I believe in smaller government where you can actually go and wring the neck of the person who's causing you trouble. You can't do that very easily at the state level. You can't do it really at all at the federal level. So imagine how much, um, how many people's needs would be ignored at the global level and, and that's why I'm against that sort of thing, at least at this point. But it's happening. It's
2: absolutely so, happening. So, OK, so let's clarify what you mean by a one world government, because one world government suggests a, a single organization, political organization that has power over the entire world, elected or unelected. Uh, But what you've been talking about so far is a bunch of uh, elites uh, getting together and planning how to move individual countries together in a certain direction. Are you talking about... an? When you say one world government, are you talking about plans to establish literally a government that controls the whole world? Or are you just using those words but meaning something different? Well,
0: I, I think that the ultimate goal would probably be that. But when you're talking about these what? kinds of plans, I wonder world government, which, which that? a government... A
2: literal government, yes. right.
0: And, OK, so, but, again, I've been hearing
2: about this for 30-odd years now. I've seen no evidence of anybody... In the world putting together a proposal for a one-world government. I, I haven't seen any political leaders or business leaders or religious leaders pushing the idea of a single governing body for the entire planet. So where is this happening that I'm not hearing? I'm not seeing it. I've been hearing people talk about it in conspiracy theory circles for 30 years, but I've seen no evidence of it outside of that. What are you
0: seeing that I'm not seeing? Well, when you're talking about an endeavour of this kind, and it has been tried many times throughout history to, to rule the world, and it has failed every single time. So a lot of the people who promoted these ideas are um, in, in conjunction with that, promoting the idea that this is a long-term plan. I, I think George Bush was starting to talk about this, but it, it's not a, in four years, uh, Donald Trump's gonna have a one world government. It might be in 40 years or in 400 years, but it's probably somewhere in the 50 to 100 year plan. Um, things that go beyond your lifetime because like cooking a frog, if you, if you know that reference, if you were to tell people, we're gonna have a one world government, let's vote for it, you're not gonna win with that. You've gotta move everyone closer, step by step, little by little, let generations die out that would be far more opposed to that. You need to indoctrinate the youth over a period of multiple generations to be receptive to maybe even just phases of such a thing. And then you just keep moving everyone closer. And the point at which you actually can create a one world government, if it's even possible, it would seem like a small step. It would seem like the next logical conclusion.
2: Okay. Okay. But pause for a second, Mike. What evidence have you seen that anyone is even working on this in secret. Give me the best, the single best piece of evidence that you have for that.
0: I suppose if this counts as evidence, the obvious and massive move in, in glo- towards globalization of everything you can think of. We're globalizing markets, we're globalizing internet, we're globalizing uh, businesses, relationships. The world has become a lot smaller in the past 30 years. And that has been pushed a lot. Global responsibility, not necessarily a bad thing, by the way. Um, But we have been talking to people about global everything and being globally far more conscious. And so people are far more aware of the world in general. For thousands of years, people didn't really focus outside uh, a 26-mile radius of where they lived. Mm -hmm. And um, while they've obviously, you know, the state level or a country level, people think in terms of that, most people are focused um, in a very small area. And and I think the most obvious thing is that we are always thinking in terms of global. And and that's how you want to move people. That's what you want to push people to do in order to eventually sell the idea. Yeah, but.
2: Mike, I mean, we've seen massive advancements in communication technology and our, our ability to travel in the last 30, 40 years as well. Surely thinking globally is a natural evolution when we're doing this Skype call okay. on from different sides of the world. I can jump on a plane and be on your front doorstep, well, I could have before the pandemic, within 12 hours. I mean, we have the ability to act globally today that previous generations couldn't even conceive of. So, yes, it makes sense that people are going to be thinking globally, not to mention things like, you know, our economies are more closely tied together as as a result of increasing trade and reliance on other countries the outsourcing of all of our manufacturing in australia and the us to places like china in the last 30 years and then we see the spread of things like this pandemic and it's even more obvious that we are all interconnected in a way that we've never been before how, how many? so yes these these don't these don't necessarily seem to me to be evidence of a grand conspiracy it's just evidence of uh, better technology that's brought us all closer together. And we think differently as a result. How of many
0: that. billions of dollars does Australia give countries around the world every year? Just a sense. Do you have any sense at all? Give? Yeah, just give. No. Okay. How Zero. Many billion- Same as the United How States. How many does the-, the United States give to countries all over the Zero. world? Zero. Zero. You don't think the United States gives billions of dollars in... No. Okay, well, that would be news to me since I've certainly yeah. heard the you opposite. Don't... Why is that wrong?
2: Because no countries give. That's a misnomer. They trade invest. money or, yeah, they invest money that's classified as uh, charity but really is uh, used to gain economic uh, benefits. Uh,
0: well, uh, no, 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 no. That, that... It's the same,
2: as the same as the Marshall Plan. <laughs> what, you know, we we did a lot of episodes on our Cold War show about the Marshall Plan. Americans tend to think the Marshall Plan was aid to Europe. It wasn't. It was uh, economic uh, negotiation. So unless
0: you hit me with some amazing revelation, what country, I mean, not, I'm not even going to put it in those terms, we have somewhere between 25 and $100 trillion in debt. Where is the economic benefit from the trillions we've been sending to countries all over the world for my entire life? Where is the benefit to America from American dollars going overseas if you think it was in an economic uh, investment? We're looking at control. We're certainly not looking at profit. Yeah. And I, I think it, it's yes, you are. about. Yes, Yes, well, I'm sorry. What?
2: Yes, yes, it's control and profit. Absolutely. But it's
0: not been profit. So, Cam, we have a 25 trillion dollar debt.
2: Yeah, and but nobody cares about that. The profit is <laughs> just have a look at the care, profits Cam. that have been. Uh, li, li, yeah, well, the libertarians aren't the ones that are uh, profiting from it, though. Have a look at the wealth creation that's happened in the US uh, in in the elite circles in the last 30, 40 years, Mike. Insane amounts of money being made by your elite. They're profiting as a result of this. They don't care if they're leaving massive debts, and most of those debts, by the way, are fake debts anyway. The the US has uh, just printed... But four trillion and uh, Pelosi's pushing through another what is it three or four trillion I we're in, in the last three six months? Six
0: or seven, I think we're at six or seven already.
2: Last and that's just from the last three yeah. months. Now supposedly that is going to increase your debts, but really it's fake debts. It's uh, uh, gonna sit with your central bankers and it doesn't you know, it doesn't really need to get paid back. No, so let me give you a little bit of history on this. Um, this is uh, the the unknown economic history of American geopolitics. so in World War one the the loans from the United States to their allies in Europe in World War one were significant in a number of ways. one of those was For the first time in history, those war loans weren't all made. There were some made by JP Morgan and private bankers, but the vast majority of them ended up being made by the US government to the governments of Europe. This was was, uh, unusual. Previously, it had been private bankers that had provided those loans, not government entities. And one of the other interesting things about it is when the war ended, the US government demanded that those loans be repaid from their allies with interest. Now, this is also unusual. Traditionally, war loans had often just been uh, nullified after a war. It was con- war Loans to your allies were considered the cost of doing business, the cost of uh, war. And there were... Uh, other benefits to be had. If you were the Rothschilds and you loaned money to the British government to fight Napoleon, uh, you didn't necessarily expect that to get paid back, but there were other economic advantages from being the the bankers to the British government. But the US demanded that it get paid back, and one of the things that this did was well, a couple of implications of that. It, it forced the countries of Europe to uh, run austerity programs at home. The US government also increased tariffs on any goods that Europe tried to export to the United States uh, to prevent their economies from recovering quickly and give the United States a bigger head start. But it also forced the countries of Europe to force Germany to pay reparations for World War I, which of course led to the bankruptcy of Germany and which helped Hitler come to power. Then in World War II, the United States doubled down on this with them after World War II with the Marshall Plan. As we've explained on our Cold War series, you know, whereas most Americans still today see the Marshall Plan as some sort of charity, it wasn't. It was, it was a terrific mechanism by which the United States uh, created markets for American manufacturers in Europe by giving them... wasn't. They didn't give them cash. They gave them credit to buy American goods and services. So most of the money, the 13-odd billion that was made available under the Marshall Plan, never left the United States. It was transferred from the public treasury, mostly individual taxes, to American businesses to provide goods and services to European countries. So it was a a way of transferring wealth from the people to American businesses. And that is how most aid still works today. It's not, hey, we're just going to put pallets of cash on a plane and drop them from the sky in parachutes, and you can do with them as you Obama wish. Obama did that. He, who did he send cash Iran. to? He sent cash to on, Iran. Their own literally cash. Literally
0: on pallets in a plane. Their own cash?
2: Cash. Are you talking? Bush did that in Iraq. Bush, <laughs> too, did that to well, Iraq. Well, Obama
0: did it with Iran.
2: Well, if he did it with a run, it was their own cash that they were returning it was, because they'd uh, embargoed it. But that's uh, not aid when you're giving somebody back their well, own money. I don't money. think
0: it was their own money, but that's that can be debated about the the aid situation or the the embargo. Um, but what about the billion dollars that Biden is uh, allegedly was holding back from um, uh, Ukraine? Ukraine? Um, you know, was that yeah. fitting in the category you're talking about? Were we supposed to be Absolutely. giving that to American companies to uh, let them have credit with purchase from us?
2: Yeah, it was all part of buying the Ukrainian government. Well, again, we've done a series of shows on this. Uh, the the uh, collapse of Ukraine's government during the Euro Maiden protests was either engineered with by the united states or in with support of the united states or uh, quite you know, there's plenty of evidence to show that when it started happening the us got involved and engineered the success of governments and it was all part of their attempts to grab the mostly the the energy business from the ukraine ukraine had been getting all of their energy from russia and the americans wanted to take over ukraine's uh, energy business which is why Hunter Biden ended up working for an energy company Well,
0: what matters and and to your point and your question what is evidence of of a global conspiracy whether we're getting our money back some way or not which would be great news if that were true uh, to us at least Um, Mm. we're still putting it out there we're still running up this debt we're still uh, causing a lot of issues for Americans in order to get global influence so if you would want to say that the at the heart of the conspiracy might be america trying to gain a global influence i i'm not going to argue with that but we're definitely trying to gain a lot more control globally and and empires and nations have been doing yeah, that for but that's a big difference years. Well, they've been doing Four that thousands, for uh, technically. Lo-
2: Yeah, a lot longer than that. Yeah. I mean, Rome basically wanted to take over the known world. Alexander the Great wanted to take over the known world. Um, But this isn't a one world government. I mean, America has done a tremendous job in the last 100 years of building economic hegemony around the world. But that's very different from a one world government.
0: Well, see, I think defining it as a one world government is the final last step in the process. And before you get to that point, what you effectively have is control on a global level. Now, when I say control, and if if you've done a show on this and you know better, feel free to correct me. But my understanding is, let's say Qaddafi, Gaddafi was going to go back on the gold standard. And I heard, conspiracy theory, I didn't do all my research, I heard that when he wanted to go on back in the gold standard, he was told, you're not allowed to do that. And he said, I'm doing it anyway. And we displaced Gaddafi. So uh, if, if countries within our sphere of influence do things we don't like, somehow they end up invaded uh they have a uh, some kind of a poo or they end up with a military base in their country before long we're dictating to other countries how to run things and if they don't abide by that we take them over that sounds like a global yes. conspiracy to me
2: no that's just america being an imperialist nation okay what, well uh,
0: that maybe maybe that's at the heart of it, but I wouldn't expect that America itself was at the absolute heart of any global conspiracy because there's plenty of powers in Europe that are are positioning uh, themselves as well, and this is what it's, this is happening. It's
2: not in- a it's not a it's not it's not a conspiracy, Mike. I mean, I mean, America is. I mean, Michael Hudson, American economist. I don't know if you're familiar with his work, but he wrote a book in the early 70s which he's updated a couple of times since then called super imperialism describing uh, america's uh economic uh plans for the world and how they'd been conducting themselves uh post world war one and uh it's it's just sort of continued to play out it's a The new form... I mean, the great genius of America's business and political leaders in the last 100 years was to realise that to be an imperial power in the 20th century, you didn't need to, uh, like, plant the flag all over the world. You just needed to dominate the world economically Mm -hmm. and... It didn't hurt to have eight hundred bases set, military bases around the world, just to make sure people didn't get out of line. But uh, it's uh, it's uh, a different kind of imperialism than eighteenth and nineteenth century imperialism, and America really figured out a a very clever model that it's executed very well over the last hundred years for dominating the world economically. You know what we explain in our Cold War show, Mike, is that the Cold War was really a battle between economic blocks. There was the Soviet economic block versus the American economic block. Out of world, you know, before World War II, you had you know the British economic bloc Predominantly, uh, they controlled at their height. Twenty-five percent of the world was controlled was part of Britain's economic bloc. And then, obviously, uh, as a result of World War I and then World War II, that dissipated. They had to let go of a lot of their economic bloc, and it was replaced with the Soviet bloc and the American bloc. And uh, the Soviets uh, you know, f- tried hard for decades to keep up, failed, collapsed, and we've been left with the American bloc predominantly for the last 30 years. Unfortunately for the United States, at the same time, the Soviet bloc was collapsing, Dong Xiaoping came up with a a model for rebuilding China's economic power and now the United States is faced with uh, a serious economic rival that's not just faking it like the Soviets were. You've got China that is actually the economic engine of the world and you're, you're back fighting for survival now against China. But uh, I've never seen any evidence of a one-world government. But if you want to say evidence that America tries to control the governments of the world, then, yeah, absolutely. No, there's plenty of evidence to support that.
0: But that's very different from one-world government. if, If America is doing this completely on its own, I would agree with you. But if it's working with, let's just say the British government, probably our closest ally, or not the British government, but but entities from the British government that are trying to coordinate how they approach this plan you say America has, if they're coordinating with the Brits, that's a conspiracy. That's what the definition is. So there are certainly... No, it's
2: only a conspiracy if it's secret, There's nothing secret about this. Are we leaving, Are we leaving
0: Great Britain out in the cold? Is America doing this alone? I don't think so. Yeah, well, you destroyed
2: Britain in the process of building this, Deliberately.
1: Let me um let me try to mix your two arguments together, because uh, I was sitting there thinking about something that Mike said at the very beginning. Just because I'm a billionaire, just because I'm a billionaire doesn't mean I don't want more. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm imagining, and I'm just going to call it a one world order because I don't know what the proper title is. I imagine this is a Western Hemisphere, think, uh, entity, whatever you want to call it. I don't know. But um, if... America's been the top dog since the end of World War II. Now that's starting to change, like Cam said, with China becoming the economic powerhouse. And no country willingly lets go of power or the number one position. Maybe you could merge the idea of America wanting to stay number one with the idea of a Western hemisphere-based world government that will one day control china and another rogue player like russia so if there is something going on i would be amazed if america wasn't either at the center of it or a major partner in it Uh, the one thing that makes me probably less concerned about this conspiracy is that if this is going to take 40 50 100 years I'm going to do as much as I can to push it forward, and then one day I have to pass it off to someone else. Um, uh, cons- for lack of a better word, conspiracies that take more than one generation, uh, I would imagine they would have a harder time being successful because you have to count on the enthusiasm of all these following
0: generations. Um, so I'd like to make two comments about that. First, I, uh, Ray, I think your, your point is well taken. We should be getting away from the one-world government idea, what they've really pushed, and I think it it, it better sums up the goal, new world order, Mm. which means a whole new way of doing things and running things. And it may be that they've learned the lesson of the ages, which is a one world government hasn't succeeded yet. So you let the countries have their flag, which is what the Romans learned. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you simply are the one in control of the economy. As long as you control the money, right? that's a Rothschild quote, I believe. It yes. doesn't matter who's in charge, and it doesn't matter what they call themselves. And I think that's really at the heart of what's going on. Um, but see, the, the people who are probably, in my opinion, from everything I've heard, uh, pulling the strings are already elites. They've already they don't need to make more money. They're mm-hmm. the the upper upper class. The they their families have been in charge for a while. So this is really about leaving a legacy or something greater than themselves. I don't All think right. there's any problem motivating them to do this generation to generation. I mean, the uh, Rothschilds have been very successful at just that. Right. So why? And and the Rothschilds are not the only players, but those kinds of people simply want to continue to grow in power. And when you've grown out of your city, you grow into a state and then a country and then a region and then a continent. And and you just keep going. And I don't Mm -hmm. know anything about history that would indicate the powers that have established themselves over the past several hundred years would suddenly stop and now America is legitimately uh, just that country, just the government has got a plan. There are private people in our country who might be part of our government that are really not out for the best interest of our people or our government, who are manipulating and posturing themselves to gain more power, whatever that may mean. Is that economic power and influence?
2: I think he just... Didn't you just describe Donald Trump then?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Donald Trump is... If there's one thing I'm pretty confident of, he's too inept to be that particular kind of player. He still plays um, on a smaller scale than the people I'm talking about. JP Morgan was far more... uh, Effective In this way than Donald Trump Donald Trump found good ways To make money for himself Whatever the reputation is The man's got plenty of money And places to live and golf So Donald Trump's done well And he may have pulled an amazing Political move by winning Or perhaps he was put there Through connections But I believe anybody who's President of the United States Is a puppet of somebody else Somewhere down the line
2: Ooh. Yeah, I meant uh, Trump doesn't have the best interests of the people at heart. He only sought the position in the first place to increase his uh, brand and power. But I don't know that I, that's I agree that's true, with you. I Cam, don't,
0: but I don't know that that's false either.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think there's enough evidence to suggest it's true. I mean, he... Uh, is still running the family business and still doing deals uh, with heads of state as uh, his children to grow the family brand and the family business, That's good business leveraging him. their ki- No, but you're not supposed did to that do that too. when Napoleon you're did uh, exactly no when you're when you're where, no he didn't when you're president of a country you're supposed to uh, act on behalf of the people of that country and not just to feather your own nest He made Joseph He's feathering his countries. own nest that's not good business. That's just
0: corruption. Well, same thing to me.
2: So anyway, let's get back to you've you've gone from one world government to a new world that, order. I think new world order now, is better.
0: Yeah.
2: So it's not actually a government that you're worried about. It's a new world order.
0: Well, I think, uh,
2: you know. And what is what is new about this new world order then, Mike? A bunch of rich people trying to get richer? Oh, that doesn't sound new to me.
0: Well, I think that one of the ideas in, in the, being a new order is that if you eliminated the infighting between countries, mm. war has, while it's been profitable for a lot of people, it it's also inhibited a lot of things, uh, a lot of progress throughout the, the years, And if you can eliminate a lot of those international conflicts and just have everybody get along, you can far better exploit the resources, in my opinion, of both the people and the the natural resources. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if maybe there's some good motive behind it. Maybe it's easier to manage a planet that isn't constantly fighting and, and having all kinds of differences. I wouldn't know because I've never seen a planet like that. But I, I think that's the goal. If, you, if you've ever played a, a game where you control the world or a country, you're, you're excited to manipulate things and consolidate control and ever expand. there's no reason to believe the people who play in real life aren't trying to do the same thing. And there's plenty of evidence that they're obviously manipulating things, manipulating currencies, um, and and trying to consolidate more and more power. Uh, And there are those who are trying to be, it seems, helpful. I don't know why America is funding, um, let's say, abortions in Africa, but I know that we do. Um, But we're we're doing it because I guess we're trying to help population growth and... uh, affect other countries. But our country is fucked up. So it, it makes sense that you would take care of your own country first. And instead, we've spread out trying to help others before we even help ourselves. I think that's evidence that we're trying to bring the world together and run things a different way. It may not be all that. Uh,
2: let's. I. I think. I think you fundamentally misunderstand the purpose of "quote unquote" foreign aid. As I said before, it's not charity. It's. It's uh, economic. Trading. No, I understand that. We but will that, give. We will give you this in return for something that we but want. But
0: that proves the point that there's global control being attempted and I'm just saying that people from multiple countries internationally are trying to make that happen rather than your claim I think you're claiming that this is just an America thing America is a construct it's just being used
2: well they are it is an American thing in that it has been Americans that have been most successful at uh, the economic manipulation of a large part of the world, particularly since the end of World War II. Yeah. I mean, rich people all around the world try and increase their wealth. Psychopaths try and increase their power. I wrote a book on it. Did you read my book? No, I haven't gotten
0: around to it yet.
2: Of course you haven't. But I wrote this book on it, spent 10 years of my life writing this book, Mike. Um, But, you know, you you haven't got around to it. Take your time. Yeah, take your time. Yeah, look, psychopaths always want to increase their power and their wealth. Rich people generally, whether they're psychopaths or not, want to increase their wealth for good or bad reasons. But uh, the point is, so that doesn't matter where they're from, but the United States has been most successful in using its combined wealth and its military power uh, because, you know, through the, the, the luck of geography uh, at the end of World War II, all of the great powers of Europe and uh, Eurasia had been destroyed through combination of civil wars and uh, intergovernmental wars. The United States wasn't touched. So it was able to double down on its uh, economic supremacy, which was also already substantial after World War II and tied up vast swathes. Swathes? Swathes? Bloods. I'll go with swathes. Yeah. Vers- I'm going to go with swathes because <laughs> it's easier to say. Vast swathes <laughs> of the world into its economic block. But I want to get back to this new world order. So, from what you said before. The objective of the New World Order is to create peace. So is this something we should all be scared of?
0: Well, my study of history has taught me when people are saying peace, peace, Mm. uh, (laughs) it usually doesn't end that way. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, and I, so they don't
2: want peace or they do want peace, but they might fuck it up and it'll turn into so war. What are you suggesting? I think
0: the second thing you said, definitely. But in the process, you could have a good number of people. And I really believe there are. For instance, Bill Gates could be involved in this. But maybe, maybe, maybe you've got a thing against Bill Gates. Maybe he's just trying to improve the world. But there are other people who might have much more sinister designs in the process. And when you consolidate control or influence, same thing, doesn't matter, um, then you're hoping whoever ends up calling the shots has your best interest in heart. There are certainly people throughout history who have—they could have been a dictator and they would have been a very good dictator— And yet there's been people who've been dictators who've been horrific tyrants. And a lot of the systems of government we have are designed to make sure we never get the tyrannical ones anymore. Mm. But you never know who's going to end up with power. If you were to put Hitler, for example, at the head of a, a new world order, you might end up with a much worse result than if you had Maya Angelou in charge of a new world order. So...
2: Hold on. Hold on. Wait, 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 wait. New world order doesn't sound like something that there is someone in charge of. That was the one world government. Now you're talking about a new world order, but yet with a dictator. There's always a hierarchy
0: of people behind the scenes who are calling the shots. And in an organisation that big, there are certainly many, many people, and it's probably lacking uh, a specific person in charge. There's probably uh, council after council after, you know, group of councils who who make decisions, but it still ends up being consolidated in the hands of relatively few people. I wouldn't... You don't think that's
2: true of the United States and every other country in the world today? It absolutely is,
0: but it's when you do it on a global level, there's nobody left to resist if you get something you don't want. But
2: hold on, how is the New World Order then different from what we already have? If it's not a one world government, you have a multiplicity of governments, which we have, that are each run by a relatively small number of, uh, you know, influential elite, which we already have. What's the difference between today and this New World Order that you're talking uh, about?
0: I think probably one of the defining things would be national uh boundaries or interests. If we're working on the best interests of our country only, we generally will ignore the best interests of everyone else in favor of our own. Part of the New World Order seems to be a blending of everything, and so we're we're not being selfish and hoarding things we're sharing. I don't know if you call that socialism or communism or, or something else, but it, it seems that we're moving towards a more—I'm not going to use the term because you're just going to shoot me down—something more cohesive that lacks international boundaries.
1: If, if I could add on to what Mike is saying, that there's theoretically one government WITH MANY DIFFERENT LAYERS CONTROLLING THE ENTIRE PLANET, YOU WOULD LIKE TO THINK, IN THEORY, THERE WOULD BE NO LONGER ANY BATTLES BECAUSE THERE'S NO TWO OPPOSING SIDES. THERE'S JUST THE ONE SIDE. AND IF THERE'S ANY DISAGREEMENTS, HOPEFULLY THEY CAN BE WORKED OUT. ANOTHER ADVANTAGE IS FOR THINGS LIKE PANDEMICS, YOU WOULD LIKE TO THINK THAT THIS ONE entity running the planet would be much more effective and organized in dealing with the pandemic because they could marshal all the resources, they could shut the world down as opposed to some states in America shut down, some are not, or some are only halfway shut down. So you would like to think it would be a more efficient system as long as the people at the top are doing a decent job and are decent people themselves. But you always have that fear of a psychopath rising to the top and screwing everything up.
2: Yep. So when we were talking the other day, Mike, you said that uh, you thought the one world government plot was uh, something being devised by socialists.
0: Um, well, I, I think, uh, and I, I'm going to admit, I, I am certainly not an expert on socialism or or any of the stuff you probably have read a lot more about. Um, but my my sense is, that there is uh, socialism at the foundation of most of the things being proposed now, and socialism is is eventually supposed to progress towards communism, uh, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And while I think you asserted that a lot of people more people were capitalists than I was giving credit for. Um, I feel like capitalism is the assertion of I'm going to do good for myself and socialism is that we're going to all share the same thing, and um, good or bad. And because I don't have faith in mankind in general, I don't have faith in their intelligence as a group or their ability to resist manipulation, um, I really don't want to be lumped together with other people like that. I would rather be more independent, and I feel like I'm losing independence and self um, – uh, there's a term I'm not going to come up – self-direction, but there's uh, – Determination? Yeah, self-determination that I'm going to lose with socialism. That's a feeling I have.
2: Mm. So, self-determination. So that's the thing that you're worried about.
0: I would say so. I mean, libertarians are kind of the live and let live. I'll do my thing; you do your thing. Socialism says, "No, you're you're all doing the same thing, right?"
2: No, no,
1: no, that's not. Or is socialism. it more organized by a hierarchy or a higher
2: power? Communism? No, socialism, socialism. is just the recognition that everyone's life has equal value and that we need to, as a society, we need to take care of each other. It doesn't sound right. That it's not every person for him or herself. That we we live in a land or on a planet where we share the resources of that land or planet. Mm -hmm and that we should all benefit equally from those. I mean, you're allowed to work hard and get, say, more benefit from the kind of work that you do. But the the main difference, I'd say, between capitalism, socialism and communism is capitalism is where there's a small number of people that control the capital, and they get to determine the productive resources of the country.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You, typically, capital ends up in the hands of a relatively small uh, number of people, particularly as capitalism progresses over time without intervention, it tends to the, the capital ends up in the hands of a, an extreme minority. And you say, yeah, of extreme minority of people, Uh, determining the productive resources. And, of course, they use that money and the power that comes with it then to manipulate the government, Mm. manipulate the legal system, manipulate the media, uh, etc. Manipulate elections. Uh, Socialism... In socialism, you have a state that uses its power to try and even out the power of the productive resources. So the state controls the productive resources of the country and tries to make sure that the social and economic benefits of those resources are more evenly widespread across all of the people. Communism is the final part of the progression, as you said, which is where there is no state. There is no state and uh, the people are in control of the productive resources and where it's, again, relatively evenly spread, the benefits of the productive resources of a, of a country or of a planet, if you want to take a planetist view. But there's certainly this, there's nothing institutional in socialism that says that you lose self-determination. There are, there are going to be limits On what you can and can't do but that's true in every society on the planet today there are limits on what you can and can't do
0: cam Hmm. so my experience working for governments and in governments on on all levels from local to county to state to federal is that i greatly distrust the competence competency of governments and government officials and government workers in general. Well, you you greatly
2: distrust the competency of people in well, general, Mark. True. You just told us that you don't trust people. That's
0: true too. Milton Freeman once said if you put the federal government in charge of the Sahara Desert, in five years there'd be a shortage of sand. And <laughs> and I I that's it's well, it's funny, it's not a joke. And right. that is how the government tends to administrate things it's in charge of. It sucks at it. And so I feel uh, smaller, more local government is a better way to use the resources people have and mostly let them uh, determine their own success, economically, socially, on more of a local level. As you create these larger and larger levels of a bigger and bigger government, whether it's working towards a new world order, one world socialism or or simply do it at our own federal level in the US. I feel like they're gonna be very inefficient. There's gonna be an awful lot of corruption and skimming off of those resources, and it's not the best way to go. That's what I've been raised to think. That's what I've grown up to think through my experiences. That is the political position I come from. And so when I hear people pushing, the idea of socialism, those are the things that I'm most afraid of. I don't trust. I trust the idea to be a nice one. I don't trust the implementation of it from the people who would eventually implement it. And that's what matters.
2: Okay. okay, So that's a completely different direction for the conversation to go. And let's get back to, your concerns of uh, the pandemic being engineered by a new world order that wants to bring in socialists that's run by billionaires. Uh, uh, <laughs> so how, uh, in this theory that the, the pandemic was engineered to bring about a new world order, Ha, 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 who Who is behind that in this theory?
0: Well, I, I'm not saying, I'm not asserting that this was created necessarily. There's obviously a lot of people throwing away around ideas that perhaps it was released by the CIA, perhaps it was released by mm. China on purpose. Those things are always possible because those folks do a lot of dirty shit And we don't know the half of what they do. But I don't have any evidence or proof of that. It makes more sense. And I usually go with the what's more likely test. It makes more sense that it was accidentally released from a lab in China because of just failing to follow protocols or or just uh, fell through the cracks. But um,
2: most... Are you aware that there are multiple... Scientists uh, around the world, scientific bodies, the general consensus of the scientific bodies around the world is that the virus shows no evidence of being engineered in a lab. Uh,
0: no, 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 no. Um, yeah, uh, let me let me separate what you just said from from some or separate some facts. I my neighbor is a virologist and a university professor of biology. He actually knows. Um, uh, is it? Fauci, what's the guy that, that yeah, he actually knows him. And so we've been able to have a lot of really good conversations about this. Of course, I asked about is this, is there a chance this thing was engineered or weaponized? And he said that uh, there are enough telltale signs of engineering a virus that we would know whether it was that or not. And he does not believe that it was engineered unless they, they developed some new method that was so new and innovative, it was able to hide that. So the likelihood that it was engineered very low. What I'm saying is that there is a much greater chance, and he agrees as well, that it simply was a virus that they had, whether they were studying it or holding it. Um, there's, a, there's so many different... Types of um, pathogens and whatnot that they keep in these labs. Mm-hmm. They're working on vaccines. They're they're just trying to learn more about them. Nothing nefarious, but that through some error or some just falling through the cracks, it accidentally got released, and then spread. The CDC.
2: Yeah, but yeah. Mike, Mike, I, I, there's been plenty of uh, debunking of that as well. We know How is that what the. Because we know uh, there, there, you know, the the genetic code, the DNA structure of all of the viruses that they were studying in labs was well, well known, shared amongst scientists around the world who were studying these things, and the DNA of COVID nineteen doesn't match any of those.
0: So maybe you're correct, and that's new information. But I have not heard that we verified, and I really don't know how we would have. Because in order for that to be the case, China would have to have been 100% forthcoming in everything it had in its lab.
2: And it, and it was, as far as we believe. I, so, I mean, there's no reason for it to be hiding and, what it was doing in and its labs. my
0: What I'm saying is I don't have a need to pin it on an intentional release. I don't even have to pin it on an accidental release because there is no shortage of people who are willing and ready and perhaps even waiting to exploit a crisis. So we apparently have lots of these kinds of things that happen every year or two years. These new flu-like things come out. It might even be predictable that every couple years you can expect a new one. So on the more extreme level of the conspiracy theory, you could say, They were planning to use something, maybe the next one that came along, this was it, and they jumped on it and really cranked out the media attention, really pushed it globally. Or you could simply say, when this happened, the way it happened, uh, different entities have simply utilized it to push certain ideas. Now, let me give you something interesting to think about. In the security world that I work in, the thing that really scared me uh, and, and I guess was a red flag for me is when I started getting invited to webinars to discuss the new normal where we have hands-free biometric access control systems uh, that are simply using facial recognition, retinal scanning, things that you don't need to touch a device to do. Now, if you weren't aware, the mass of cameras that are out there right now are using facial recognition technology on the general public as it is. But this is a a time, and, and they've said this, these are experts, global experts, saying we have in the past, in the first month of this pandemic, we have progressed two years in social acceptance of these things, but in two and a half months, we have progressed five years in the social acceptance of hands-free biometric facial recognition, technology and acceptance of it was a big deal. And we're gonna be seeing a lot more of that. Now in Australia, maybe Europe, there may be a greater acceptance of that already, but in America, we're a lot more resistant to this kind of what we would consider intrusive Monitoring and surveillance by the government.
2: So, no, you're not. The NSA has been tracking your emails and your phone calls for 20
0: years, and
2: you've done, you've done. Well, in particular since 9/11 and the Patriot Act, you've done nothing to stop it. And when, when, when uh, Snowden uh, blew the whistle on it. Everyone said it's a lie, and then evidence came out that it was true. And again, you did nothing. Obama did nothing. Trump's done nothing. They're part of yeah, that. you guys, they're part of you guys group, gave though. up. You guys gave up on protecting your privacy long, long, long time ago. You don't give a shit. Well,
0: as a country, you're correct, but there are elements in this country that would very much like to change that situation. W- what have they done about? it? Uh, well, those are the kind of groups. They elected Trump. Uh, Maybe. What's he done about it? Well, if anything, they didn't elect Hillary, which was a bigger concern. And I'm not saying that Trump has done (laughs) everything I'd want Trump to do. Trump has disappointed me because he talked a certain game during the uh, run-up to the election. And while he's tried to deliver on some things, he hasn't delivered on everything. But I don't see the world the same way Trump does. Trump it almost seems to have rose colored colored glasses on a lot of this stuff but there are some serious hardcore people in america that are very much ready willing to have a civil war over this and displace our government there are people who want to fight and do something about it and they're waiting for a catalyst to do it
2: like global pandemics not a big enough catalyst what it do they might need be it might be handwritten invitation it, it, what do you mean it might be it's been going on for 2 months what are you waiting well, for well
0: they they're waiting for a lot of different things you've got people like the governor in Michigan who's been making a lot of uh, threats everybody's making threats on all sides um, people are coming out to protest armed to the teeth and the government's mm. saying we're going to arrest everyone or we're going to you know do something extreme and and they're challenging people in our country in America, we have a lot of little incidents that have been happening for the past 20, 30 years. And they're perhaps building to something much greater. And there's a lot of people that are just chomping at the bit waiting for that to happen. This might be something that, depending on how it ends, uh, sees that come to fruition. I told you I believed if Hillary had won that election you would have seen a very significant secession movement in several states really bolstered by that and probably the breakup of the U.S. Now, there are other people uh, far more uh, educated than me in other countries who've done studies in the past five years or so on the U.S. and predict that we're going to break up into multiple new countries. And so that that might happen, but this crisis has, in In just one aspect really furthered facial recognition and tracking of people. I just got the new update on my iPhone, and it's telling me that that it's enabling me to use these systems to track my whereabouts. Obviously, they're tracking me anyway. I know they have been. But we're getting a lot more social acceptance of these things as opposed to I don't know. 20, 30 years ago, if the shit that came out now happened, we'd probably have a major riot, uh, an insurrection. If it happened 50 years ago, of course, if we had income tax, uh, when we had income tax um, proposed at first, we had a rebellion in the country. So we're we're slowly cooking the frog here uh, in the U.S. and getting people more and more willing to accept more and more things. And there are people who are willing to stand up to it, but it's coming to a head. And I think a big effort is let the older generations die out and indoctrinate the younger kids to look at it a different way.
2: Yeah, look, I I do believe that there are tacticians in every country Who have the motto, don't let a good crisis go to waste? There are always um, people that are looking to increase the security state because, you know, for for a variety of reasons. Number one, because there's money to be had in that. It's very easy uh, when there's a time of great crisis, whether it's a war or uh, an act of terrorism or the threats of either of those or an economic crisis for purveyors of certain solutions, be they a private militia or new security technology or scanners for x-rays or you name it, to approach the government and say, hey, listen, we've got a, we've got a Band-Aid for this problem. We've got a short-term solution that will help you get uh, some positive press, make it look like you're doing something. All you need to do is... Give us a contract for a hundred billion dollars, and we can make this happen for you. There are always profiteers that will come out uh, of these sorts of situations and push through new solutions that will that might have been hard to sell in better times, but in in scary times they can get it sold. There are always people inside the establishment, the the political establishment, that like you, don't trust the masses and are looking for more ways to surveil the masses and keep tabs on what they're saying, what they're doing. And in the United States, I mean, again, we've done lots of shows on this. Uh, J. Edgar Hoover was doing this in the 1930s and 40s and 50s and 60s with the limited technology that he had available to him illegally wiretapping everyone he could, keeping hundreds of thousands of files on private citizens illegally. Every time a uh, judge would tell him to cut it the fuck out, he'd say, righto, judge, and then just keep doing it. Because uh, he he added files on the judges and the presidents and uh, all of Congress so he could get away with Pretty much anything. Nice. This isn't this this kind of uh, surveillance state isn't new in the United States. It's been going on at least since uh, Hoover.
0: It it certainly isn't new, but it's making great strides during this crisis in in consolidating its social acceptance or widespread acceptance. And of course, there's a big difference between it happening and people are just not aware of it and it happening and people are aware but they're turning a blind eye and the final step of they're aware of it and they're accepting it and they're downloading it and they're agreeing with it and we have certainly conditioned our people to have a very different attitude towards these kinds of uh, intrusion surveillance control influence whatever you want to call it by our government Uh, i am of the belief that the United States government, as a republic, ceased to exist following the Civil War, and I think everything since then has been a uh, slow at times, faster at others, um, uh, modulation into to this uh, total control by the government and loss of civil liberties, uh, or at least self-determination.
2: Okay, let's let's. Put a pause on that because, again, that's a whole other direction for the conversation to go into. Let's talk about your new world order, one world government, uh, the coronavirus was deliberately spread by nefarious billionaire socialists' uh, ideas. Tell me... One of the questions I always ask people is, tell me what your number one source of information is. For these sorts of topics, who do you turn to? Where do you oh, turn? Oh, Fox News,
0: absolutely. Uh, <laughs> that's where. That's where the only facts are going to be found. Um, uh, actually, uh, uh, even
2: even Trump doesn't <laughs> like Fox anymore, man. Um, it's not crazy enough for Trump. So now.
0: I watch. I watch Fox News. I don't watch it. I look it up on the internet. I really don't watch it. Um, I I look at Fox News. I look at CNN occasionally when they're. Boring me. I'll check out MSNBC. They suck. Uh, actually, I said one. Huh? What's your one?
2: What's your number one source, Mike? Pick me. Tell us what your best source is for the conspiracy theory stuff that you've been talking about. Um, the, the irony, of course, is if Fox News is talking about a new world <laughs> order, nobody has done more to bring yeah, about. Yeah. <laughs> One, a new world order than Rupert Murdoch? Well,
0: I, I think the, the, the answer that I have to give you is um, it's kind of like all of the above. I hear from Facebook, I hear from news networks, I hear from you, I hear from other people, but the key is, for me at least, there's a ton of false conspiracies, there's a ton of false theories, uh, ridiculous, outlandish stuff. Uh, I used to get Time Life books about aliens and pyramids and Atlantis and all kinds of stuff. But I, you take- fucking send me one on <laughs> alien pyramids like two months <laughs> that ago. That wasn't an alien pyramid book. You didn't read it. You wouldn't know. Um,
2: yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're right there. But...
0: Um, I go and do research I don't just accept anything I hear from people I, you're not answering my fucking question my answer Mike. is your number one source I, I don't want to say Facebook but wherever I hear people talking about it it could be you it could be news it could be Facebook you don't
2: listen to any of my podcasts don't give me that bullshit. So what's the one source that you turn to first? Who's your most trusted source of information? Facebook's not a source of information. It's a publishing platform for others. What, who or what is your number one source of information on these I'm
0: things? I'm going to kick myself in the fucking pants for saying this, but I'm going to say Cameron Riley. Fuck <laughs> off. You don't listen to my because shows, Mike. I don't have the time to go research
2: all this And I'm bullshit. not the guy who's pushing... I'm not pushing the New World Order, One
0: World Government stuff, so it's not me, son. Can I get get off by saying J. David (laughs) Mark? Jesus (laughs) Christ. David, David. I I don't have one sole source. If I had one sole source, that would
2: really suck. I didn't say one sole source, Mike. I said your best source, your number one most reliable source that you turn to. I don't have one, then.
0: You don't have a I source. I don't have a reliable source of, of shit. I take what comes to me, I filter it through research, and then I form an opinion. Mm. There are plenty of people who do quote Fox News as their number one most reliable source. I certainly don't have them or any other news agency. I'd actually say Al Jazeera was more accurate and more likely to have correct information, but they're still owned by the same conglomerate. Um, Okay, so here's, here's my suggestion to you. Um,
2: look, it, it, let, me, let me sum up my position on all of these sorts of things. Um, it makes sense to be sceptical of everything that you hear from governments and businesses and the media mm-hmm. and religion and everything, us. Being sceptical is a, a good starting point. Don't, you know, uh, uh, trust no one, as my son's namesake, Fox Mulder, said. Um, Because we have plenty of evidence, and again, this is in my book, should you ever care to read it, um, that we have plenty of evidence that we've been lied to consistently throughout history by political leaders and business leaders and religious leaders, military leaders. So, uh, and the media. So it, it, it's naive to trust implicitly everything that we're told. So we should be skeptical. However, that said, whilst, yes, as you said a couple of times in this conversation, all of these things are possible. And that is true. All of these things are possible, but everything is possible. God, the existence of God is possible. The existence of Unicorn, invisible unicorns hiding in my backyard sure. is possible, but to, well, some, something's penetrating me at night with a big shiny horn. I mean, that's the conclusion I jumped to that it's invisible unicorns. I mean, my priest told me, you know, that they disguise themselves as him. I knew that. Because they're cunning like that. These invisible unicorns. Right. Um <clears throat> So listen, all of these things, yes, are possible, but if we're going to navigate our way through the world as intelligent human beings and responsible citizens, it's not just enough to spout off a list of things that are possible. We need to use our brains to work out what we think is most likely to be true. Now, as you also said correctly, we can't be experts on most things, if anything. I am an expert on only one thing. What is it, Ray? Oral sex. Oral sex. Thank you, Ray. That is the one thing I consider myself to be a well, world leader on. Ray, considers, the I, you. Ray uh, considers you to be an expert. <laughs> yeah, well, Ray and Chrissy and right. everyone who's had the pleasure of Ray. being pleasured. But... Uh, <laughs> that's it. I can't be an expert on anything else. So what I do if I'm trying to, you know, uh, learn about a particular subject is I look for my trusted sources. Who are the people who I believe I can turn to on this particular subject and uh, trust that they are most likely to be telling me the truth and to understand what they're talking about. And then I have to answer why do I trust that source? What is their pedigree? What is their track record? Why do they seem to be trustworthy and and incorruptible and and, and you know what's their what's their you know transparency in terms of their affiliations and their financing etc 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 because not that I will trust that person or those persons 100% of the time but they will be the primary place that I will start my investigations I will still filter that through well, what are what are the other people saying and are they able to poke holes in this person's argument etc but you have to have a trustworthy source to turn to otherwise it's just a big bucket of well fucking it might be true which is kind of not any not a productive way to to operate in the world
0: well so uh, Kim I, I agree with what you're saying in that case then I'm my own best source because I take whatever comes my way and I filter it what your whole bill uh, bullshit Uh, filters about i filter it through my research i don't have a particular person i go to that is my end all be all you know they can answer my questions i wish i had someone like that but i usually try and research multiple angles of it from multiple sources until i'm satisfied that i have a reasonable understanding of what i feel is more likely or less likely and i go with it but i accept no but not but you, you've, got to have, you've got to have the expert sources,
2: Mike. You're not an I, expert source on anything outside of you know the security no, business, that, right? That,
0: you, you make a valid point there because I do have a background in investigations, and that is definitely correlates to research. So I'm an expert at filtering evidence and researching and coming to a conclusion based on that. And I simply scout... Okay, scout so based on that, give me your
2: give me your single best piece of evidence that there are people pushing for a new world order.
0: Opportunity exists.
2: That's not evidence. That's just a motherhood a, statement. Opportunity exists for you to go out to a park and get anally fucked by some toothless guy on meth. I mean, that's not evidence that you're trying to do it. But again. Sorry. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs>
0: Uh, The the fact that there's an opportunity of that nature is enough evidence for me that it's happening. I wouldn't have to see evidence beyond the fact that there's an opening for it. The fact that there is things that you can see there. The fact that George W. or George H.W. Bush got up and and announced it is uh, evidence. I have looked at a endless number of conspiracy videos over the years. Some of them have more credence than others. I just have a general sense that shit is happening. I have a general okay. sense so that the virus. So you don't, is being you don't have avoided. any evidence. Is what you're I'm saying?
2: Just... You don't have any evidence. Is what you're saying? Just be, just be, just, just, just stop fudging and just say I don't have any, Ken.
0: Well, even if I had evidence, it would simply be something I looked up on the internet, which I can't personally verify. So sure, I don't have evidence. Fine.
2: Right. Okay. Well, that's that's that then. You don't have any evidence for a New World Order conspiracy. I
0: I don't have verifiable evidence, but there are... That's what evidence is, something that's verifiable. The fact of history... That's a tautology. So if you were looking at this like a criminal investigation, the fact that throughout history, these kinds of things have occurred is a very good predictor of what will happen in the future. You can look at a person's past behaviour if they've, you know, murdered and cannibalized thirty other people, and now you've got another missing persons case,
2: that's not proof. Um, but and so it's what's evident. what's what's the evidence? What's the evidence in history for a new world order?
0: I think. Um, well, go ahead, Ray. If there was a, if it had happened in history,
2: it wouldn't be new. It'd be the old world order, that's just still going. So well,
0: there, <laughs> Now you're delving into the more um, specific things like the illuminati type groups that emerged in france or the rothschilds who have a long and illustrious history of manipulating things you've got the skull and bones kind of uh,
2: stuff. what 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 evidence do you have that the rothschilds manipulate what did they manipulate
0: well uh i assume you know about the waterloo one right
2: Yeah, what do you know about the Waterloo one?
0: Well, my understanding of it is that uh, the people in England were waiting anxiously for news on whether Napoleon won or not at the stock market, and Rothschild uh, spread a false rumour that uh, Napoleon had won. Everybody dumped their stock. It bottomed out in price. He bought it all, and shortly thereafter, they got news that Napoleon lost, and he made a fortune. Yeah, fake news. Is that fake news? Okay, yeah, maybe it is. I don't know, and that's why I don't I, I
2: I do, that's why I'm okay. telling you it's fake news. and that's why I'm telling you your you know your reputation as a great investigator uh, is falling apart rapidly here if you <laughs> when you're spreading long debunked and discredited uh, Rothschild's conspiracies as the basis of evidence for a New World War. Well, order. you
0: may be correct that it's debunked. I don't know. I haven't investigated that recently. Um, but you, that you asked for evidence of people manipulating. Um, if that was true, that would obviously be evidence of people manipulating. But I, I really shouldn't have to come up with evidence of people manipulating behind the scenes because History is full of that. Uh, you don't want me to. No, we talking about to evidence, evidence thousand, for a, uh, evidence for a new world order. I'm talking about. Mike. Well, first you'd have to define what that would even look like. What qualifies as evidence? Yeah. Okay. Is that? I mean, tell me what you would well, accept as evidence, one... and then I'll tell you if I can produce it.
2: Well, you're talking about the new world order. You have to define what that is.
0: First. well so if you go by the theories that are uh, put forth by like skull and bones the the ivy league societies and what they're doing or the trilateral commission or all those kinds of theories which we don't have time to lay it out um they're they're making those claims the fact that world leaders meet at the bohemian grove uh and and discuss their plans i don't know what you're what standard you're looking for, for You're the
2: one using the term, I'm asking you what you mean by the term when you use it World Leaders Meeting, what, so the Yalta Conference, is that part of the New World Order? Well,
0: you never know, but uh, so no, I'm not asserting that um, So not not everything that involves world
2: leaders meeting to discuss how they're going to run the world is the New World Order in your book? So, what what is your definition of the New World Order? Well,
0: um, what does it look I'm like? I'm looking at it right now. I'll, give me a moment, and I will tell you an answer. <laughs> well, you're looking okay, at it. Well, <clears throat> you're Googling now, it. Now, Wikipedia
1: says. Uh, <laughs> oh you and ryan need to
0: you, you and ryan need to do a podcast <laughs>
2: together where you just read wikipedia just to each other to
0: establish a starting point <laughs> new world order <laughs> is that a secretive power elite with a globalist agenda is conspiring to eventually rule the world through authoritarian world government which will replace sovereign nation states
2: Okay, well, uh, so we're back to one world government there, an authoritarian one world government. Give me the best piece of evidence that you have, and evidence is something that is verifiable, proof that, there are, that that's going on, that people out there are trying to create an authoritarian one world government.
0: Uh, Well, how about about George H.W. Bush using the term New World Order in a speech?
2: That's it. That's your evidence that people uh, secretly trying to create an authoritarian one world government is something George H.W. Bush said off the cuff 30 years ago. Well,
0: you say it's off the cuff. He mentioned
2: the words New World Order and that's it
0: think off the cuff is a fair way to to, to categorize that and
2: who was who was bush re- referring to when he used the term new world order
0: i i can't answer that at the moment <laughs> i i didn't come prepared to debate that particular point but the, well that's the, your best piece of evidence but the bush family from what I've researched and from what a lot of other people have researched has an illustrious
2: background. Let's just listen. Let's listen to George Bush, 1991 president at the time at the United Nations. Let's listen to the clip. You guys can't hear that, can you? No. Shit shit. Hold on. Let me try this again. My fucking play is not working.
0: Have lain dormant. The United Nations can offer them new life. These institutions play a crucial role in our quest for a new world order. An order in which no nation must surrender one iota of its own sovereignty. An order characterized by the rule of law rather than the resort to force. The cooperative settlement of disputes rather than anarchy and and bloodshed and an unstinting belief in human rights.
2: So Bush specifically, in that sentence, said they weren't giving up their sovereignty as nations and it would be rule of law where they would negotiate things better. Like the the very thing you're pointing to, as your number one best piece of evidence for a secret authoritarian world government, <laughs> he literally says that's not the fucking I've case get,
0: in that sentence. A comeback for you on that. If uh-huh. if Donald Trump said that, would you buy it? <laughs> what do
2: you mean? Would I buy if it? Donald Trump consider said the, the source
0: and then said everything Bush just said. Would you take him at his word? Or would you believe he's full of shit? i believe Bush is full of shit as much as Trump. Bush was a piece of shit.
2: When when Bush died, I tore him. I did. I did a no bid episode where I tore him to shreds for being a piece of human garbage. So I, don't, I, I don't, don't trust. But my point is, my point is, where if if you don't believe him then you don't believe him. Everything that he says about a New World Order or sovereignty you have to throw out. You can't say, well, I believe these three words of his sentence, but I don't believe the other 12 words well, of his first sentence. Of all, you, can't say, I, you can't say he's my number one best source and then say, but I don't trust I can him. I and I am and I will
0: back it up. <laughs>
2: so the New World
0: Order, has that term of phrase has been around apparently since the end of World War One, at least. And a lot of gears were turning on this level from World War One on, and he's referencing that <sighs> phrase. But when you're talking about this level of manipulation, of course you use terminology like you don't have to worry about this. You don't have to worry about losing your sovereignty. Everything will be fine. But if you study the mm-hmm. man and his connections and his background, You know that that's doublespeak, that's just saying what people need to hear to not freak out while you're doing the very thing you said you don't have to worry about. That does not debunk it in my mind. You may have a different point of view, but the fact that he referenced the phrase tells me it exists, and the fact that he said everything else tells me that's a cover for what they're really doing.
1: Well. Let me let me ask a question, because one of you earlier, and I can't remember who, I apologize, was talking about, Alexander wanted to rule the world, and we know that um, there's been other empires that have wanted to rule the world, but obviously they couldn't because of logistics, the world's too big. But now with communications being what they are, globalization being what it is, flight, uh, ships are faster and things like that, and they can travel and they can carry a lot of people. I think globalization of any kind of, whether it's economics or whether it's military, whether it's political, whether it's all of those, whatever, it's certainly more feasible now than it was a thousand years ago. So if people were trying to do it a thousand years ago or two thousand years ago, whatever, you would think that humans haven't changed all that much. And there's always people who are trying to go as far as they can until they are stopped that's why you stand up to bullies because they'll keep going until you until you stop them or psychopaths is the same thing and so i think it's probably now more not likely but feasible than it was in the past and so why shouldn't people try to get together and and have it all when it's certainly more possible now because of technology it's still fucking crazy don't get me wrong but I could see people now going for it so much more than I could, say, 2,000 years ago.
2: What are the... Uh, are you guys familiar with the Great Seal of the United States? Vaguely. It's got my picture on it. Okay. <laughs> there are two Latin phrases on the back of the Great oh, Seal. no, what is it? Do you know what they are? Um, uh, E2 Brute? No,
0: what is it? I don't know. Are, are you saying like the E Pluribus Unum or the, the Anuit Coptis?
2: What? Yeah, the, the, the third one.
0: Uh, what, from many one or um, what's the other one? Uh, now that's E yeah. Pluribus Unum. Um, I, I was, I used Anuit, to be, I don't recall
2: it off the top of my head. Anuit Coptis is one of the two on the back. It's, you know, Providence is taking a favorable view of oh, our oh, undertakings or something like yes, that. Yes. The, the, the other one on the back is Novus Ordo Seclorum. Yep. You want to guess what that's means? Yeah, I already know. Well, so, tell Ray, because he no, does No, tell it. me. New World? <laughs> Novus Ordo Seclorum. The New Order of the Ages.
0: Ah. Or, a, or a reordering of the Ages. Yes. Mm, Novus is R- new. Well, that's... What they're referencing, but um, well, they're referencing a line from Virgil, I think. um,
2: Anyway, so American Great Seal is talking about basically a new world order, or at least a new order. Do you you really want
0: to delve into the whole uh, conspiracy around Washington DC and the founding fathers and
2: national treasure? No, no. No, leave that for Nicolas Cage. But I want to talk about just your your single piece of best evidence for a new world order conspiracy, just to confirm this, is those words that George H.W. Bush used in a speech. That's what you've
0: got. Well, that's what I'm going to go with at the moment, Cam. Okay. All right. That's good. That's pretty and you much. said have it be verifiable.
2: All we have time for. At least it was verifiable. That's all we have time for today, Mike. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 All right. Well, <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen of the jury, uh, I hope you <laughs> hope you got something out of that. Uh, I enjoyed it. It was fun to have somebody on that's not just Ray, Mike. Thank you for coming on and playing. You're. Uh, Ray, yeah. uh, tell him what we have as a gift for Mike for playing oh, today. Jesus. Uh,
1: um, well, uh, I can give you a series of coffee mugs. Uh, you're not that very far away. I could jump in my car and come and give you a hug because I like you. I like who you are. Uh, or I could do both. I could bring the coffee mug myself.
2: <laughs> i
0: right. have my people. Hikes, Mike's Ray.
2: speechless.
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: my hugs do that to people. Well, Mike, listen, um, open invitation to you. If you ever come up with any better evidence for a new world order conspiracy, uh, then please come on and share it with well, us. Well, I, Because I, I am fascinated. I, I
0: might do that. I, I spent a long time years ago looking at this sort of stuff, but I've resigned myself to just accept whatever happened. So I stopped giving a fuck.
1: That's what I do. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: But if I find (laughs) the time, if I find the time, this reminds me of
2: this reminds me of our conversations from 10 years ago, Mike, when you were equally convinced that God existed.
0: Uh, Views change, obviously. I don't think it's going to change on this one. I feel I feel very confident that there are people manipulating what you call it, and what their aims are. You know, I, I don't have to prove it in court. Uh, but I've been satisfied from my own research. Just the court of public opinion. No, look, you're right. People are manipulating, of course.
2: People are manipulating. uh, Again, read my book. That's what people do, and, and some people more than others. But whether or not that's just to feather their own nest or to bring about some sort of Machiavellian New World Order...
0: Uh, different but that things. gives two choices. And mm-hmm. one is that they're just independently doing it to feather their own nest. Or two, that they've joined with other people and have a greater plan. And history shows greater plans certainly have existed. So I'm, I, that's my more likely than not evidence.
2: Oh, well, I, I would agree that there's a, a plan. The plan is for the all of them that are on the same side to get rich and keep the poor people poor that's the basic plan of capitalists around the well, world yeah, but it, is to maintain their wealth and power uh, at the expense of the true masses. but at
0: their level at the level i'm thinking of wealth is not something they worry about too much because they have so much of it and power is more important than wealth no they're, they're worried about Uh, And this is why,
2: you know, again, we've done a whole series of shows on this. What they're worried about is the rise of the idea in the masses of increasing levels of uh, socialism within their countries, which would mean people going, hold on. Why am I poor and you've got a hundred billion dollars? That's not right. How about you give me your hundred billion dollars and we'll share it amongst ourselves? Do so
0: you feel it's that's what they're worried? It's about. more likely that these people are afraid of socialism than 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 that's their method of attaining something.
2: Oh yeah, very very uh, yeah, obviously yeah. Look, we we did a whole series on our Cold War show about uh, just in the last year or two. About how uh, during the '30s and '40s, when FDR was pushing his New Deal, the the economic elite of America was terrified yeah. that this was this was the beginning of the rise of socialism, a form of so like not straight up Cuban socialism, but you know, a a modified form of uh, socialist democracy where uh, the wealth would be spread more equally and their power would be curtailed. And so they spent a fortune over decades to demonize the idea of socialism in the minds of Americans and ally, uh, connect the ideas of laissez-faire capitalism with Christianity in the minds of Americans. And they funded preachers and churches around the country to deliver that message. And uh, they were in- incredibly successful because they saw the rise of socialism uh, ideas in the United States, you know, communist parties in the United States around and, and around Europe. And this is in, you know, this is the same thing that Hitler was terrified of, and Mussolini was terrified of, and the Council of uh, Business Leaders in the United States were terrified of, was that uh, communism was an idea that was taking hold in the minds of the people, and they had to shut it down at all costs. And so, yes, it's rich people that are terrified that the poor, the great masses, would pick up their pitchforks and demand more equality.
0: Hmm. Well, I will talk so I think on what, I'll think on what you said and see if I can come up with um, some more information worthy of your scrutiny.
2: Well, Mike, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. I mean, I know I go hard on you, but you're a thinker, you're uh, skeptical. I like that, and you're willing to put yourself out there. I like that too. So you're always <laughs> welcome to come on and go toe to toe, Mike.
0: Thanks, Cam. Thanks, Ray. Thank you.
2: Thanks, Mike, Enjoy your evenings, <laughs> gentlemen. All right,